COVID has changed many things. In fact, some say it has merely accelerated the inevitable. And so many of us are quickly thrown into this new reality of remote work. And as companies become comfortable with remote work, the talent pool is no longer geographically restrained, which means they can hire from everywhere. So how do we stand up from this global brain market to position ourselves well for the future where companies can hire from anywhere, you can work from anywhere, you can even sell your skills and packages to multiple employers rather than one. So welcome. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role in a given month. Over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to another Choose with TFC session. In this series, we hope to bring on interesting, relevant people to help us learn better from various perspectives. Life is not always about learning from people that you already agree with. Perspectives shape a rounder thinker. So in our pursuit of the life we love on managing our finances, well, our guest for today is the founder of a leading platform for white-collar flexible work. They pride themselves for allowing companies to work with analysts and top researchers in 24 hours. Essentially, brains on demand. So let's welcome Ricky Williamto from The Raven Reef. I'm personally very curious, like, how do you see the future of, like, white-collar work, Ben? Mm. Yeah, I think white-collar work is, like, th- that term, white-collar, is it's quite a big umbrella, I would say. I think, like, when people hear white-collar, they assume that these are, you know, like, high-skilled workers, you know, working in a nice office, wearing very nice suits, and therefore the white-collar, like, <laughs> yeah, now, yeah. like you know, uh, reference, right? But in reality, a lot of white-collar workers are also low-skilled workers, Right. A lot of, um, you know, people who work in, you know, larger organizations who are in very rote uh, roles. So they just they go into work and they have very specific things they need to do. And it's very repetitive. I think a lot of people say that, you know, like huge transformation with a white collar worker, you can go remote. You know, you can actually like they're going to be the future of work. Right. Like it's going to be more and more white collar. But actually within that segment itself, those like lower skill workers are probably going to be at risk a lot because that's the group of people that is most likely going to get automated away by technology, mm-hmm. right? Can you give an, me some examples? Yeah, an example is like, you know, um, I used to work for with the bank in Singapore. Uh, I was a consultant, right? So one of the things we were doing for them is this um, like process transformation. As a user, as a bank customer, right? You have all these fancy apps, you have all this website, <laughs> it looks really nice, right? You go in and like, oh, now I can apply for a credit card with a click of a button. How delightful, you know? Um, and like the bank puts a lot of effort in kind of like making sure that the, se- the experience is seamless for the customers on the front end. The reality is on the back end, right? <laughs> there's actually someone who is copy pasting mm-hmm. the form and yes. put it into another system and then they'll print it out and they have to sign it and check it, you know, like, I know, and I before know. they will fax it again to another department who will put it into another system, right? <laughs> And if you see, like, all these steps, right, it's not done by one person as well. So mm. there's actually one person in step one, which is literally just to copy and paste. Mm. And then mm. in step two, when they pass it to someone who is supposed to be doing the checking, it's another person who's an entire job <laughs> description is just to make sure that the two forms 
mm-hmm. are like there's no mistakes, mm-hmm. right? They're mm-hmm. identical, right? And then the person will fax it, right? So I think that's what I meant by you know the more low skilled yes. white collar workers. Yes, yeah. you have fin- fancy office, you you have to wear a nice suit and go to mm-hmm. to work, but that is the kind of job that is going to be most at risk. Mm. Um, so I think the transformation of workforce in the white collar space, I wouldn't say it's homogeneous, right? Mm. So there's a lot of different like nuances as well, depending on the kind of work or task mm. that these people are doing. Yes, yeah, I mean, the banks are so big that they have a middle office to match the front and the back yes. office. <laughs> so it's like, you oh, have a middleman. Yeah, like what's going on here? Yeah. So I totally get that. The, a lot of um, UI on the front end, beautiful, but there's a lot of system back end patchwork that is like in, in tatters, right? Yeah. So that is the kind of people that um, are at risk, running yes. very repetitive work. Is there an upside for everyone else that is like, not so at risk or maybe even opportunistic in, in this idea of like remote work where jobs come from everywhere. Yeah. So maybe we can look at it from two perspectives, one from the employer, the other one from the employee. So I think for the employee as uh, a remote, well, as a white collar worker, I think oftentimes, well, most of the time now, um, a lot of the value you add can be delivered quite easily uh, through digital means, right? So you don't really have to be in person anymore to sign things nowadays. You don't have to be in person. My goodness, anybody send people. me a physical form, I already want to like scrang- strangle. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm Indonesian, so I still have to deal with some of that with my banks in Indonesia. Mm. I have to be physically there to sign things, yeah, right? Dude. And like internally, that's how that's how it works as well, right? Even within the organization itself, I think like a lot of people still need to do that. So I think as an employee, um, now that you have like all this technology that allows you to you know, have like virtual meetings, you know, have, um, you know, uh, a way to collaborate with your colleagues live on, you know, an app or, you know, a document uh, easily. I think there's a lot of opportunity for them to actually um, basically kind of open up, you know, uh, employment opportunities beyond just working with one person, right? So I think remote work definitely enables you to do that. The second thing, obviously, which is very obvious uh, during COVID is that um, there is no more like, you know, office hours, right? Once you are not associating yourself in a specific place, um, you know, with a specific group of people who work like clockwork, <laughs> nine to five, then all of a sudden, like, it, ju- it is, work is just part of your life, right? Yeah, so I think for white collar workers, especially, I think, because a big part of what they do is problem solving, is thinking, right? That doesn't stop. It's not like a tap where you can be like, okay, like, I'm just going to stop thinking about this problem altogether, Right. So I think uh, the implication for a lot of these uh, white collar workers is that there's this like blurred like line, the line between work and life is getting more blurred, right? Yeah. And um, it's actually very hard to manage this thing. It's really hard. Yeah. So yeah, sorry, I'm going to go into like different areas, not just kind of like from a work perspective, but also from like like how will that define life, yeah, right? Yeah, for yeah. like definitely, white workers. Definitely. Because this um, is the future, right? Where your work and life it's it's you know, it's so intertwined yeah. that you really gotta be more conscious about how to manage this thing. Yeah, right. So it's all right. part of it. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. And I think the other the other element from the workers or the employee side is that I think as a white collar worker, oftentimes you're juggling a lot of things. Right. So you are probably like an expert in like, you know, um, like product management, you let's say you and and within product management, you're actually building a risk product for a bank. I don't know why I keep using bank as an example, but I mean it's, it's where you came from. So. Yeah, that's why that's I can't <laughs> I did come from that that industry. Yeah, uh, I work with a lot of people there. Um, on top of those things, right, you are also doing a lot of administrative work. You're 
team managing, you're talking to stakeholders, you know, you're working with, you know, external partners to get things done, you're working with your finance team to make sure that all these things, you know, like are being, you know, budgeted, you know. So there's a lot of like uh, other back end work as well that you do that is not necessarily something that you're truly passionate about. Mm-hmm. As a white collar worker, I'm definitely right? sure you're not passionate about it. <laughs> like, yeah. like I'm not passionate about those things. There are bureaucrats <laughs> who basically live for these processes. <laughs> I can tell you that. In this, I think that's kind of like their moat to protect yeah. themselves. That's like their, their thing, right? Exactly. The more process I b- build around me, <laughs> the more untouchable <laughs> I'll be in this organization. So I actually know some of those people. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely people who's like that. Yes. But yes. I think what that means is um, there is uh, again like um, that allocation of effort time that is not optimal for the individual. And so like, you know, if you're really passionate about what you do, right? If you're really keen on building products, you probably want to spend more time doing that thing instead of the other things, right? Yeah. So I think the beauty of remote working is that uh, you are actually able to just essentially, you know, sell that part of your capabilities to people. Mm. It's very well contained. It's like one thing, right? It's a very productized service Um, that you offer. mm -hmm. And you can suddenly um, work with so many different clients just on those things rather than worrying about, oh, like the finances, you know, the... Um, the administration, you know, the mm. the team management. You suddenly don't have to worry about that because you're able to <clears throat> package just that one service and really leverage that skill of yours and make a living out of it, right? Mm. Rather than mm. having to be like a typical full time, you know, worker yes. who's doing a lot of those things. Yes. So I think that's definitely another dynamic that is going to be more apparent, right? Um, especially when um, competition in the market gets more intense. Uh, with fellow workers and also amongst companies, right? Because let's start with the company, right? If the companies are getting more competitive with one another within the same industry, you want to hire the best talents who can do the best things, right? For sure, yes. So mm-hmm. if you are, let's say, um, let's say you are, you know, a food delivery app, right? It's likely that you want to hire someone, you know, an engineer who's done a food delivery something or something delivery related because the algorithm, like the UI, the kind of customer experience, like it's highly transferable, right? And you want to have the best person in that niche to be able to deliver um, the work that you need from them. Uh, And so I think the companies as well are going to be uh, more like, you know, demanding when it comes to looking for people like that, especially when there is no geographical boundaries anymore. Yes. Um, I think on the talent side, the same thing, right? So let's say like I'm just a developer, right? It's going to be harder and harder and harder for me to tell people that, oh yeah, I know like, you know, uh, Ruby on Rails. I know Python. Like it's not going to be enough anymore. It's about like what you've built, what you've done with those skills, right? That will truly differentiate yourself, right? And so with like a lot of this, you know, people having kind of like uh, the need or needing to kind of like specialize, I think... um, like remote working uh, will only intensify a lot of these things, right? Because then like you're competing not just with people in Singapore, you're competing with like, you know, Uber. You know, if you're a Grab developer, For right? sure, yes. You're competing suddenly with like people from Uber and stuff like that, right? So um, so yeah, all, all of a sudden like all this competition intensifies and like white collar workers do need to find a niche for themselves, right? Mm. Um, so that's kind of like on the employee side, right? I think on the employer side, it's uh, like a, a slightly different, I guess, like dynamic, right? I think for employers, again, like back to the competition point, it's all about like, you know, having the best talents, you know, you know, the talent market is highly competitive in Singapore. And we know like that Singapore is a talent magnet, right? Like everyone wants to come here because all the HQs are the biggest companies. Yes, all the decision makers are here. So you get the best pay in this part of town, right? right? And in the past, you do need to 
be in Singapore to do work for all these companies. It's true, yes. Whereas now, like, I think it's different, right? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, the companies uh, are able to kind of like, tap into, again, because of digitalization, right? All of a sudden, you can just work with anyone from all around the world. Yeah. Um, so I think from company perspective, I think there is a lot of benefit in you know being open towards um, you know the flexible model because it allows you the flexibility of, well, flexible work and flexibility. <laughs> Yeah, it also the flexibility yeah. to um, kind of like work with bigger talent pools than ever before. Yeah, for right? sure, for sure. I, yeah. I have friends who like they got some of these jobs here, mm-hmm. and then you know because of this whole lockdown period for a whole year, um, they have managed to kind of get their company to be comfortable with them, to know that they can do their thing, and then they pack their bags and now they're in Vietnam. So, yeah, right. So they're like hanging out in Vietnam, but being paid like a Singaporean wage, and yeah. they were originally from somewhere else. Yeah, right. So it's like it's getting so dynamic, and you know that's the beauty of it. But that's also the the scary part, yeah. right? Because we are still kind of familiar, or maybe let's just put it out there that a lot of the guys that graduated before this time, mm-hmm. you know, they were still trained to get their resumes into the door, you know, or like people that just have been employed for a few years. Like this is a big shift, mm-hmm. you know, for a lot of them. And they're not at the end period of their employment time. They're probably trying to go into their prime these mm-hmm. days, right? So how then do they stand out in this new way of, you know, competing for jobs online? Because you specifically said that, you know, it's not enough to just know how to do Python. It's mm-hmm. not just enough to know how to code. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like now it's a lot a lot about like, what have you done before? Mm-hmm. What is the application, right? And so I'm just kind of trying to envision this idea of like, I have some skill sets and I'm trying to get a job online mm-hmm. these days, right? How do I go about, you know, positioning myself? Yeah. So again, like if we were to look at it from a supply and demand dynamic, I think um, from a de- demand dynamic, which is the employer, you always need execution, like people. So people who are going to execute on your ideas, on the plan, right? And I think I did mention, and I did talk a lot about like, you know, you being, you having to kind of like build a specific niche for yourself as a white collar worker. But I do think that that probably is something that you will slowly build towards, right? And it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone, even like the fresh grad have to have like, ooh, like I have like a 20 year <laughs> resume of being, you know, yeah, yeah. like a developer, you know, when you're yeah, only yeah. 20, right? So That's the, that's the stupid part, right? Like some companies, they hire like new graduates, but then you must have three years experience. Yes. I was like, dude, 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 what do you want? Exactly, <laughs> so. yeah. So I think um, on the demand side, there's always going to be demand for people at different like, you know, uh, capabilities level, right? So just now I was kind of more talking about how we just like overall, it's just obviously it's all going to get more competitive, right? Um, but specifically like at the top, right? The ones who are really experienced. Um, so I think on the demand side, there's definitely room for people to still, you know, uh, kind of like hire executors, right? So you don't really need to be overly specialized. You're just generalist. You have skills, right? And that's kind of like, you know, what's needed. Uh, I think on the supply side, I always suggest people to think of themselves as a company. So you don't see yourself as an individual um, who just have like one thing to offer, right? You should think of yourself as uh, like almost like a, a corporate entity with value to give, right? And I think the question is always like, how do you package it well then? Yeah, right? for sure. That's yeah. a big question mark, right? Yeah. So I think for talents, I think they need to start thinking more around like, it's not just about developing like those specific skills that differentiates you or almost defines you. I think a lot of people 
are very well defined or very comfortably defined by what they do, right? Like I'm a designer, I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm in finance, I'm an accountant. It's a very like nice pigeonhole to kind of like nestle yourself into. But now you have to start thinking about how you actually package that into like, like a valuable value add product that companies actually, you know, are interested in. So how do you sell yourself? How do you build a personal brand, right? How do you, um, you know, communicate like the value you can bring, right? So I think increasingly like talent said to be able to do that in a place where we can very easily be homogenized as uh, as human beings. It's very easy to kind of like just see us as like, oh yeah, it's just another designer. From yeah, like you get commoditized, right? Exactly, mm-hmm. right? So I think it's very important for uh, talents to learn that, you know, the, the, the skills that they have is not going to be enough anymore, right? You cannot just rely on like your certificate, like, you know, your... Um, your degree, your piece of paper that says that, oh, I've graduated from this university and have X skills, right? It has to be like, uh, you have to also think about how you actually market yourself and differentiate yourself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and that's why I like the I like the analogy of thinking yourself as a company because as a company, you need to think about like, okay, how do I like position my values? How do I kind of like uh, communicate the product or services I can offer? How do I brand myself? How do I allocate my time into all these different areas so I can actually be more effective at, you know, selling my business, selling my company, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, I think that's a very important aspect of um, digitalization as well and the future of work. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's like higher competition, you got to brand yourself, you got to package yourself. But what are some like practical steps that, you know, people can do? Like after they listen to this, like, you know, what are some basic things that you think people are not doing enough because of your experience working with all these, you know, digital freelancers? Mm people are not doing enough and then we should do more and you know so that our listeners get something out of this yeah yeah huh that's a very tricky thing to, i don't know if there is any any specific things yeah just a few examples you know i know it's not it's not easy to like do this do this do this yeah but yeah what do you see some people that are doing in the market you know and and it's it's serving them very well yeah i think um the best i guess the best kind of talents out there are the ones who like practice their craft, number one. I think it's not just, it's not enough, as I mentioned, saying that you already have like acquired these skills, right? It's about, have you done anything with it? So if you're able to produce work um, and make it public, right? Um, And if you're able to show that you've done like, you know, specific things that will help people understand like how good you are at what you do, I think that is very helpful, right? Um, I think that's very important. I think second is, I think Asians are not very good at this, but Americans are really good at this. It's self-promotion. And I'm, when, I'm you not say, when you say that, I read in my head, it, this word already came out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, people in Asia don't sell themselves very well. They don't sell themselves very well. Mm. Um, so I, I talked a lot to like, you know, growth marketers on mm. my podcast, right? And also founders. And I always ask them, who are some of your role models when it comes to company building or growth uh, strategy, growth marketing in Asia? And they can't say like not even a single person. And I've spoken to like dozens of people, right, at this point, and like they, they get stumped by this question. And I think it goes back to the fact that we're just not very good at, well, specifically I feel like Asia, right? We're not very good at talking about what we've done, our achievements. And I think it's also very difficult for Asians to share their perspective. Right, like I think if, I, I feel like there's a bit of that hurt mentality of like, okay, like what do what's everyone saying? Maybe I should just say the same thing, right? And I think that prevents you from being able to again stand out in the market and kind of like you know again like 
put yourself as an expert in something, right? So that's why I feel like uh, there's no not a lot of people who's doing that really well in Asia. And I think that's one of the skills that the new talents need to think about. Like, how do I brand myself better? Mm-hmm. How do I put myself out there? How do I have, I guess, the the courage to also have a perspective, uh, take a stand and, uh, you know, like tell it to more people about like what you believe in. Yeah, I think that's important. Yeah. So do you think people should like, write their own medium blog or, you know, like publish on LinkedIn or run a podcast or something, you know, it's like, this is all part of selling yourself, right? If you if you decide that you are a company and you want to brand yourself and you want to position yourself, then you have to go on to outreach programs. You have to go to, you know, go on to guess other people's shows or, you know, or you got to be a little bit more active in this space, right? And and do you think that is like a, like a bare bones requirement to these days <laughs> to, if you want to get jobs online? Yeah, because I, you must have digital footprint, right? Yeah, in that sense, I don't know if it's bare bone requirement, but I would highly encourage people to do that because I think your resume is just not limited to a piece of paper anymore. You know, even like ten years ago, when you uh, apply for a job, your employer will definitely look at your LinkedIn, right, and see like, oh, like where is he really from? Like this university, although LinkedIn is has no way to verify. You can just say whatever, right? But people still look at that, right? <laughs> that true. digital digital footprint, as you call it, and kind of like use that as a way to do due diligence on people. And I think if you're able to create your craft and put it out there, and maybe you're not a writer, but like just write like write about, you know, what you do, right? I think people appreciate that, you know, a little that little insight into your thought process and you as a person, I think definitely do that. You know, put your portfolio out there, write about what you think, um, you know, talk about it on a podcast mm-hmm. or talk about it on Clubhouse nowadays. Clubhouse, yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's definitely uh, value, in my opinion, in um, generating like some, you know, I guess, content online that helps you brand yourself better. Okay, so that's important, right? But yeah. then in that way of looking at things, essentially you are only doing a component of marketing and branding yourself. But mm-hmm. then how does that translate into selling yourself then? You know, in this grand scheme of digital marketplace, all these different platforms that you can sell your skills you know, how do you go about doing, you know, just kind of help us envision, you know, for the many people that have not sold their skills online. Yeah. You know, how is that like for many of them? Yeah. So if you think about the freelancing world, right? Because I think let's, that is kind of the extreme example of like you having to sell your craft, right? And you have to repeatedly do it, right? Mm-hmm. Not just to one employer, right? Um, I think the way to do it definitely is to just produce the best work you can, right? And make it as... Um, you know, accessible as possible for people. Uh, getting social proof for that. So again, like being part of a community and showing that, look, like I know what design is about, right? Mm. I know what like, you know, furniture making is about, right? You know, nowadays there's all these niche communities. Yeah, it's and pretty I cool. Think, oh, the wood crafters and all those. Yeah, I was like, the wow, leather, these are popping the out. crafters yes. and everything, yeah. Um, so I think like being able to kind of like be a thought leader or just kind of like a, a prominent persona in that community, I think is helpful, right? I don't believe in hard selling because I think hard selling imply, like, you know, does imply that you are pushing specific service or product to anyone, right? So I do believe more in, you know, you showing what kind of value you can create and attracting the right people, you know, through those work that you've done, right? Mm -hmm. Not so much your promise, your word against, you know, like a set of requirements, right? It's more around, having, you know, people understand like what you are able to do, um, showing people that you know your stuff and uh, using that as a way to attract like employers um, or, you know, people who want to work with you to work with you. 
Yeah. So so then on the topic of the right people. Yeah. Right. You know, it's like it's it's very different now, right? You don't you don't walk into an office, you don't go through like a few, you know, interviews and you know that there's a whole process of experiencing, mm-hmm. you know, um your employer yeah. and your colleagues and the environment, the space. But now, like you said, it's it's very blurred, right? Like yeah. home, you can work from anywhere. So how do you then choose the right employer to work with? Yeah. In the back with the backdrop of COVID. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I think a lot of things have definitely changed. Like I had like very different principles when I was, <laughs> when I, was uh, I guess, suggesting people. I was thinking about employment before definitely. pre-COVID, yes. right? So for me, like the biggest thing has always been find someone uh, like a manager yeah, that you're working with that really believes in you and you know can be your ally in your in your company. Your champion, right? Yeah, champion, yes. Yeah. So I feel like that was always my number one rule. But I think now that look, there is this <laughs> COVID thing and everyone is kind of like for, forced to work remotely and you're not necessarily able to create a lot of that serendipitous, uh, you know, opportunity to add value in a workplace environment. I think definitely like you want to work with a company that understands the the need to change, you know, like and the need to kind of like build different ways of working in this context, right, of remote, right? I think a lot of companies are still trying to figure out how to do that, right? So yeah, I think everyone is trying to figure out yeah. how to do this. No one is going to be 100% there, yeah. right? But I think working with an employer that understands that you know it's not necessarily the most productive thing to get people to be online from nine to five right wow. like you know trying to implement that kind of like uh rigidity into like, i know, you know they were trying workplace. to do some sort of like tracking software on the people like you know are you online are you doing your thing i was yeah. like dude that's crazy no that but that business is booming because of covid right like a lot of people <sighs> are i mean like companies just do not do not know what to do mm-hmm. um and to be honest with you I can almost understand why they're doing that because I think the people themselves are not trained to self-manage, right? Mm-hmm. And that kind of like goes back to what I, we were talking about earlier about like white-collar workers. You have the low skill and you have the high skill, right? So in the past, it's always been like high output, like, you know, high output in the sense of like, you know, how many hours you, you put in and how many pieces of like, you know, form do you complete, right? <laughs> It's not like necessarily <laughs> yes. the most valuable thing. If you're really smart, you probably like as an employee, you probably will automate that away yeah, you somehow. You can something out, right? right? Yes. Like with a macro or something. Um, but I think a lot of companies and a lot of people still do not know how to navigate this. And I think the uh, the go-to solution has always been, okay, let's put as much structure as possible, right? Mm. So I think when you're looking at, I think nowadays when you look at an employer, it's probably important for you to consider like how are they transforming their business in light of these changes? Um, I think... I don't want to use this because uh, I feel like it's a bit hard to tell what's working and not. But like culture is also like an important element, right? I think a company with a like culture of like openness and transparency, I think will try to make it, you know, make like, you know, information flow within a company work better, right? Uh, work well in a context of COVID 
Uh, I think companies that tend to be more hierarchical and like, you know, build that that's able to build like positions of power by information asymmetry, which happens in a lot more traditional companies, uh, will probably struggle more with uh, remote working because like what they're trying to do is they're trying to kind of like, you know, forcibly control and manage people remotely now, right? Which yes. is, I think like going to be very apparent if you are, um, especially if you're kind of like, you know, working with a company like, you know, remotely, I feel like, they're just going to go to the extreme of putting that command and control uh, yeah. culture yeah. into the business itself. So I think that's also like culture and the leadership like at the top, which is where the culture comes from, mm-hmm. is also another important element to look out for when you're looking at you know a new job, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Especially um, in the past where it's very high touch point, right? Daily, you can meet all these people. You have your managers, your colleagues. You know, every day you're connecting with all these guys, like physically in the same space, right? Yeah. But then now it's like, how do you do multi-touch points a day? Like, 30 minute Zoom call with everyone is going to kill the department manager. Yeah. <laughs> just just that alone. All right. So that's going to change for sure. And like you rightfully point out, culture is a very big buzzword. And, you know, it's very hard to kind of determine culture. Yeah. All right. So how, how do we like, you know, over the internet, online, you know, how do we like kind of adjust expectations and filter, you know, these kind of things? Do you have any like practical thoughts? We're experimenting with a couple of things even within Ravenry now. Um, I mean, like we we always try to be as open and as flexible as a company even before COVID. But I think I do understand the nature of remote working that prevents you from having a lot of informal conversation and informal observation as well about what's going on in the company, right? So, for example, it's very difficult for my team to know, like for example, development team for to know what's going on on the design side, what's going on the business side, right? So there's a lot of like things that suddenly become super opaque because mm. you're not co-located. Yeah. Right? Whereas in the past, you can kind of like hear humdrums of like white noise background of your colleague doing work, right? <laughs> now... Yeah, you know the other department no saying this, 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 this. Yeah. You know, I heard at the toilet this, this. <laughs> yeah. But that, that, I feel like that's what... Those like, are important. Those are important, right? That's yeah. what actually makes culture, right? Because mm. it's about like the minute interaction between people that forms like a bigger collective, I guess, organism. Um, that you know has specific DNA of behaving, right? So I think that's what culture is in an organization. But I think now that we're doing things remotely, um, a lot of that, um, I guess, more informal exchanges are gone, right? Um, so a couple of things that we've we've done this quarter. One is we started to write more notes as a way to make sure that information is relayed clearly and also um, in a way that is highly democratized, right? So not only specific people get access to that information. We Right now in, in a company, every single meeting that we have, we write notes about it and we publish it so that everyone in the company can read it. Um, and that really helps getting people on this literally the same page, right? <laughs> uh, about what's going on, right? Uh, yeah. uh, so that's kind of more on the formal side of things, mm-hmm. um, trying to keep like, you know, the company direction aligned. Um, on the more informal side, Actually, this wasn't initiated by me. It's actually initiated by one of my team members, Sanders, who started to kind of like create meeting rooms that is perpetual. Uh, so, so it's that, always there. It's in the background. Yeah. So he is always in that room. So really? he's a designer. Yeah. He's always in that room and he's always live Dude, right, that's online. Like, that's like community champion. Yeah. Right. And 
now it becomes a go-to place for people who just feels like they need a buddy to hang out with. And like he will attract like the developers to go into this room for some reason, right? He's a designer, but like the developers will be there and like, oh, like Sanders, what's up? You know? And like they will just talk about games. They'll talk about like, you know, me. <laughs> They'll talk about <laughs> like, you know, each other. And uh, it becomes like a very uh, like casual, uh, I guess, hangout place for the team. And I think having, creating and making available this kind of uh, spaces uh, in an organization, whether it's within, it's on a team basis or it's just on an organization level, right? Like here's like the cafeteria where we have lunch together <laughs> online, which I've done by the way. And I feel like it works quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just some small ways that I think as an employee can do without having to go through like all this bureaucracy of like, oh, like, can we have like a meeting? Like, you know, that is meeting room that's always open. You don't have to go through that, right? You just have to have a meeting room and people yeah. will just click on your link and join you, right? So yeah. like, I think it's a very easy way for employees accessible for them to even like implement it if, um, that if that's what cute. they need. Yes, yeah. that's very cute. Like just yeah. kind of recreating that physical experience online, right? We do our best, right? And there are actually companies who's kind of like building businesses around this, right? Yes. So they are, I think there's this company called Tandem.chat who's basically building, um, you know, MRIC, MIRC32, Do you, are you from that generation? No, I, I know IRC. But you know chat rooms, right? I know chat, chat rooms. rooms. I know chat rooms, oh, right? wow, you're from that generation? <laughs> I was like, okay, I was like yeah. six. You're like the last, you're like the last guys. <laughs> I know? call myself the elder millennial. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was like just at the cusp of like, uh-uh. you know. Um, you just anyway, made it. <laughs> I just made it. I just made the cut, you know, into the cool group. <laughs> uh, well, we're not going to be cool for long. Um, but yeah, I think uh, a lot of companies are trying to build this um, like, audio chat channels um, that is in a chat room style. Yeah, So you can go into different rooms and you're hanging out with different people and they're all working together, they're chatting, but it's perpetual. So if you kind of like, you know, um, you're running a company, you, all these rooms are available for you to kind of like go in and out, right? Just like a real office. Yeah. yeah, And you can listen to what's going on in that room. So I think that kind of uh, technology or like any company trying to replicate that kind of, uh, you know, environment, I think will be quite beneficial in helping you retain that culture. Yeah, that's very cool. Okay, yeah, we, we should we should check out the audio stuff. But yeah, so I think you've, you've shared a lot of good stuff, right? But I want to kind of hear this last point about how companies are looking at their workforce, mm. right? Because um, now it's even more different, right? In the past, it was like uh, you have your core team, your management, and then you have all these full-timers, and then you have some part-timers that will rotate in. Generally, that's kind of like a structure for most companies, right? But these days... You have your core, your management, you know, and then your full time, and then you're like remote guys, and then you know your skills guys, you know. So, so how how are companies kind of looking at this whole arrangement? You know, I thought it would be important for our guys to kind of get a better understanding so that you know they can maneuver this space. I think there there's quite a few things to consider when we look at how companies think about workforce. I think one is that like the siloed structure that is, um, you know, the dominant structure now where, you know, you have like specific functions running specific things Mm. that is completely cut off from other functions, right? So I think uh, a lot of organizations are trying to change that um, because they're trying to promote innovation. They're trying to promote collaboration. And um, I think it's very much inspired by like the Spotify squad model, right? Where every single squad is able to move very, very quickly within a short period of time. And I think a lot of people are trying to replicate that. I wouldn't say that is a specific trend, but there's definitely that specific thinking that a lot of leaders are, uh, you know, considering when they are trying to um, redefine or transform like the way their structure, the organization structure is, um, because 
you just need in this day and age, you just need to have like the ability to tap into different capabilities, tap into different know-how and find like, like new innovations, new ways of working, right? And I think a siloed structure oftentimes is, um, it doesn't allow you to basically kind of like tap into that creative side of an organism, right? An organization. Um, so that's kind of like one, one way of thinking about it. I think from a talent availability st uh, standpoint, I think there is definitely like heated competition, right? Uh, between like larger companies for like very specific talents. So again, like, let's use developers as an example, right? There's a short supply of them. And when, uh, you know, companies like, you know, Grab versus Gojek, right? In, uh, in the same industry, there is even more intense competition within that's or a very already uh, limited supply of talents, yes. right? And they want like people who are very specific, uh, you know, in terms of capabilities and experience. And oftentimes the competitors have that, right? So I think, <laughs> yeah, definitely companies are looking at, uh, you Digging know, their competitors. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's always the case, right? Yeah, like, like let's even not look at Gojek and Grab. Let's look at the advertising industry as an example, right? Like, it, it is quite like a incestuous like, industry in a sense because like you will just rotate around these companies as a as a as an employee, right? Like, if you're an account manager I don't know how for like. I don't, BBH, know how I don't know how like, they're gonna feel about this. It's like incest, right? This bunch of guys. But I know what you're saying. You know what I'm saying, right? Like you know. Um, I mean, like, let's just put it put it out there. Mm -hmm. It's 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 the fact because like it's a relatively small industry. It's very relationship based, right? Um, the, the same clients will also <laughs> rotate around these companies, right? Yes. So you want to kind of like hire from your competitors, right? And that's just gonna get more intensified, right? Uh, if you already have like such limited pool of people, now you you are just hiring from your competitors, you know, <laughs> uh, because you want to win that account, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, that's definitely that element, uh, you know, for organizations, which is is a more difficult uh, market to work with, right? Um, and I think from a talent perspective, obviously the solution, well, not obviously, but one of the solutions is definitely to kind of look at different ways of working with them as an organization. And again, that has to go back to the structure. So if your structure doesn't allow you to have like flexible workers, on-demand workers, it's going to be very tough for your team to have to deal yes. with like this random ad hoc person who just yes, yes, drops yes, in yes, for yes. like an ad project. There is no like, support system around this. Yes. Exactly. And there's no like, um, like SOP. There's no like best practice internally that's been defined clearly as to like, okay, A, this is what you need to do. B, don't forget to sign this kind of paper. C, because now you're talking about like, someone external right to your organization. Whereas in the past you can just pull like Jamie from design to come and help you. Now there's no more Jamie, right? Like this like Zen like Xander who is like, you know, from uh, this design, you know, he runs his own design freelance business, right? Mm -hmm. Um so I think there's definitely uh, that to consider, right? That competitiveness means that you need to find different ways of working with talents because talents feel like they're you know, the pop star of like, you know, uh, the industry, they're the expert now, right? It's a whole so, new world, yes. Yeah, they 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 have uh, I guess they have the power to kind of define who they want to work with as well. So I think there's also that element um, that I think com companies are considering. And I think the other nuance of that is companies want to make themselves more attractive as an employer. So, mm. I mean, like nowadays, there's like an entire department for like employee branding. Yes, right? yes. There's a whole onboarding kit thing, yeah. right? I have friends who do that. Like, yeah. like they, they give her onboarding kits because people are international, right? So exactly. they send you bottles, they send you socks, they send you all those kind of yeah. things. I was like, oh, that's so cute. It becomes like a differentiator. Right? Yes, 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 yes. Like, oh, um, I'm not sure how like that specific like onboarding <laughs> kit thing is going to work out. I mean, like it's, yeah. it's, I think it's nice to feel yeah. very welcome. 
but I feel like it's important for brand nowadays to like for companies to stand for very specific values, right? No one just wants to work for, especially the younger generation. They, they don't want to work just because like, like you are a big brand name anymore. They want to work because you are part of a bigger cause. You're trying to solve like a big problem, right? And I think a lot of people want to have that purpose in life. And that's probably something to do with like the Maslow hierarchy of like needs. You know, we've like our, the younger generations have like a lot of their very basic needs nicely fulfilled now, right? It's not like, um, our parents or even our grandparents who have to kind of like, you know, worry about food, right? Now they don't even have to worry about food. Now they have to, they can kind of like focus on like self-actualization, which means that companies need to kind of like have that, uh, you know, aspect of opportunity, like for people to actually self-actualize as an individual, right? Mm. Not just someone who is working for money anymore. So I think there's definitely that element of um, you know, like branding and employee, like employee branding that is going to be very important for, for uh, employers to consider. Yeah, and I think like the fact that now you are working digitally and remotely, you are not just limited to the people around you, right? Mm. So geography is not a boundary anymore. You can work with anyone, anywhere, right? So I think that's also another element that companies need to take into account. Yeah, I think I think that a lot of good pointers. All in all, I think people need to recognize that, yes, competition is crazier online, you know, because everybody is online these days, but it is not just, you know, talents going through the competition. A lot of employers are also going through the competition. So there is a there is a playing field here, right? It's not it's not an end road. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For sure. yep. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing with us good stuff. And we'll see you around. Take Thanks, care. Thanks, Reggie. Bye. You learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated, and discussed. Join our community telegram group, follow us on our social, sign up for our weekly newsletter. Everything is in the description below. And if you love us, will help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. Also, if you have some interesting thoughts to share or know someone that you want to hear more from, reach out to us through hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, have a great day ahead. Stay tuned next week and always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear and sustainable for all. I'm just going to ask you some questions that we ask every single guest. Oh man, I haven't thought about that. <laughs> it's, it's okay, you're good. Okay. So the first one is, what is one of your core life principles that you hold closely to? <sighs> I mean, there's a few. Just one. Okay. Yeah. I just need to pick one. Yes. I think like definitely always try to find ways to live up to your best potential like self, you know, um, and kind of like, you know, always developing yourself, always learning and maximize the value you can uh, create to this world. And not just economic value, right? Mm -hmm. But like emotional value, you know, cultural value, whatever you can create and bring good vibes to the world. I think you need to, as much as possible, uh, work towards that. Yes, hashtag good vibes, important. Yes. (laughs) Okay, second question. Um, What is a personal finance advice that you feel needs to be propagated? I think like people need to realize uh, the power of compound, compounding and time. I think uh, that's one of the most powerful things that people can learn early on and, you know, take advantage of, right? Mm. And it's never too late, even though, like I said, you know, 
early on, but it's never too late to start. Yeah, 10, yeah. 20 years compound is still very sexy, right? It's very sexy. Yes, okay, great. Point number three is, which part of your life are you giving additional focus on now? I think like uh, mental health is a very big one. I think COVID has only taught us that, you know, we are we actually quite fragile, you know. Uh, one little thing, which is like, you know, being cut off from like, you know, your two friends. <laughs> I only have two friends. Yeah, two friends, right? Like can severe can severely affect like, you know, uh, your mental well being and that affects your physical well being as well. So I think I've been spending a lot of time rethinking um, you know, what it means to be healthy and, you know, what it means to kinda of like be the best version of myself. And a lot of it has to start from, you know, knowing how to take care of yourself, like mentally. Yeah. So that's kinda of like where what I'm focusing a lot on now. Awesome. Yeah. I'll yeah. see you at Bishan Park. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Thank you. Thanks. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.